0: Hello and welcome to the Estate Planners Podcast. My name is Anthony Brinkman and this is the place for will writers, estate planners and solicitors that are interested in learning the tips, tools and technicalities to best help their clients. This is episode 17, entitled More on Follow-Up. Back at episode number six, entitled follow-up, I covered a number of different points to do with following up clients. We looked at what follow-up actually is, what do we mean by following up clients. We took a look at some of the initial follow-up that you would tend to need to do once you've got a prospective client that's interested in doing business with you. And we looked at some of the most common mistakes made in following up with clients. Towards the end of that episode, I mentioned the fact that there is quite a lot more to this subject and that we would return to it at some point in the future. So this is that promised next episode on follow-up. As a very quick recap, what we mean by follow-up is all of the actions that you take after a client has expressed an interest in your service to stay in contact with that client and turn them from somebody interested into somebody who's actually done business with you and extends right the way through to the conclusion of the service itself how much how often you follow up with clients and particularly at that early stage where they're not yet a client they've expressed interest But they haven't signed on the dotted line. They've not said, yes, I would like you to make my will, do my lasting powers of attorney. Following up clients to get them to that stage is vital. How do we do that? What I want to cover in this episode is basics of follow up. Some things, some of the aspects of follow up that need to be in. What I want to cover in this episode is follow up basics. The first of those basics is commitment. Perhaps the most basic element, actually, of getting results from your follow-up actions is the decision to commit to getting results. Making a decision sounds like a simple matter. I decide to commit to following up with my clients, but actually commitment is a continuous thing. Look at the definition of commitment. It means the state of of being obligated or emotionally impelled. The state of being obligated or emotionally impelled. Take the commitment that a person makes when they have a child. They are committed to bringing up that child, aren't they, no matter what. It's not a decision made on the day the child is born and then immediately dropped. Or if that does happen, then the parenthood is, of course, doomed to failure. The commitment needs to be constantly created, constantly worked on the commitment, the decision is ongoing. It's ordinarily so ingrained into a parent that they don't ever even question their commitment to bringing up and looking after that child until the child can take care of themselves. The same principle applies to follow-up. The decision needs to be made to follow up with your clients constantly, continually, And ideally, this commitment should be so integral to your job that you wouldn't dream of not following up with your clients. I was fortunate in my early business career to have worked for a company that had that view of following up clients as part of the culture of that company. If somebody had inquired, they believed in their product, in their service so much that they felt obligated to that client from that point to service them and to service them well. And that follow-up was part of our daily routine. And that stayed with me throughout my business career. If somebody has inquired and they want my help to make a will or to make lasting powers of attorney, I follow up. I feel committed to them from that point to make sure that they get a good quality of service and they get their estate planning in because it's vital it's really important what we do and that viewpoint carries you through your follow-up actions. Second tip here is to get organized to do yourself a favor and take the hard work out of following up by getting yourself organized. The main tool that you would want to be using to bring good order good organization to your follow-up activities is your CRM your client relationship management tool whatever database or or spreadsheet or application that you use to organize your information organize your client contact data to organize the notes that you make when you've phoned a client that's a vital tool and not only does that give you a facility for recording client information so that it never gets lost but it provides you with a kind of automatic things-to-do list. If it's a good quality CRM that you're using, that gives you an automated things-to-do list for your prospects, for your clients. And often with the click of a few buttons, you can end up with the people that you need to be calling that day and the actions that you need to take on that day so that a lot of the memory exercise, a lot of the paper notes that you might otherwise keep dotted about on your desk or in your paper diary. All all of that is eliminated if you've got good organisational tools that you're bringing to the table for this activity of following up your clients. The next thing you can do is schedule your follow-up. Actually put it in your diary, block out time when you can follow up your clients. Otherwise, the demands of the day can often take over what activities you're actually doing that day and you don't end up following up with your clients enough and Monday has gone you think I'll, I'll get around to that tomorrow Tuesday ticks on by you have a few appointments in your diary you've got a, f- a couple of little windows there but you know you need to do some admin and then it's Thursday and then it's Friday and you just haven't followed up with your clients as much as you should have done by the end of that week actually blocking out time to do your follow-up or having it as a regular part of your daily routine is vital. Back when I was being a full-time consultant, when I was actively going out and seeing a lot of clients, I would mentally have in mind that 10 o'clock, two o'clock and six o'clock in the evening were assigned as my follow-up time. If I wasn't in a client meeting at 10 a.m., then I would pick up the phone, and start following up with my clients. Those people that had expressed interest and I still needed to book an appointment with, or those people who I had, let's say, done draft wills for and needed to follow up to check if they had approved their drafts or not. My active clients or those clients that I needed to bring to the table to actually sign up for service, I would follow up with diligently at 10 a.m., 2 p.m. and 6 p.m. if I wasn't already with another client in an appointment, Of course, there's always admin to do and paperwork to do, drafts to create, and all of the other administrative activities of running your own business or being a consultant. Those should best be kept to times when you can't really get hold of clients very readily, such as before 10am. It's often a little bit rude to phone somebody too early in the morning. I often found that between three o'clock and 4:30, I would get hold of less people. Of course you've got school run duties to do at that point or, or your clients will have school runs to do and grandparents picking up the kids from school, etc. So that tended to be not very productive as a telephone follow-up time. Therefore admin tended to get done during those times or early in the morning. Blocking out that time in your diary is often necessary until such time as it just becomes part of your natural routine when you've otherwise got a few spare minutes to pick the phone up and follow up with your clients. Next tip here will be to keep notes, plenty of notes. The primary purpose in your follow-up is to move the case forward to the next major milestone. The first milestone would of course be the appointment with the client. Once they've made an inquiry, they've expressed an interest, you need to move that case forward to the point where you've sat down with the client and had an appointment. From that first appointment, you may or may not have actually signed up the client. So the next major milestone would be signing up the client. From that point, you've then got to take instructions for the service. Often, of course, this is going to happen at the same meeting, but not necessarily. It might be that you've spent quite a lot of time gathering information about the client, particularly where they've got complex circumstances. If they're a business owner or they're a high net worth client, merely taking the information about their circumstances can take up a couple of hours. So it might not be that you've actually taken instructions at that first meeting, in which case your next major milestone would be taking instructions. Once that's been done and you have produced drafts and sent those out, the next milestone would be the approval of those drafts. Following that you've then got the witnessing and following that you've got the completion of the case itself. So moving your clients forward along each of those milestones would be the purpose of your follow-up for that particular client. If your communication, if your follow-up does not result in the case moving forward then you will inevitably still gain information about your prospect or your client during the conversations that you have. These can seem like insignificant details often, such as the dog's name, or the fact that they're having their kitchen renovated, or they're going on holiday to Devon, etc. But those little details help you to build a picture of that client. They help to build the relationship that you have with that client. And they're often quite impressive and helpful details to add to future conversations. If you've remembered that the dog's name was Tex, and Three months after having got that information, you interject Tex's name into the discussion that you're having. That can be quite impressive to a client. So keep plenty of notes. Even when you don't actually move the case forward to its next milestone, when you're doing your follow-up calls, keep notes. This next tip is slightly uncomfortable, I suppose, which is that you have to make yourself accountable for the results of your follow-up. A definition of accountable. Required or expected to justify actions or decisions. Responsible. To be responsible. I just mentioned before how in my early career it taught me that following up my clients became ingrained. It became an intrinsic and inevitable element to my job. And initially it was because I was accountable to my superiors for what I'd done and the results of my actions. But over a short space of time it was me that held myself accountable for following up with clients. It became so much a part of my day that I'd feel uneasy with myself at the end of the day if I had not yet done enough follow-up. Despite whatever else was on my plate, I'd at least make a few calls or write a few letters to follow up with clients. Now, what you can do in those early days, particularly for a lot of estate planners who are self-employed, they work on their own, there's a, it can be a lonely kind of job and... If you're not yet in that frame of mind where you're feeling like the following up of clients, it has to be done, you don't yet feel that accountability, then you can always get somebody else to hold you accountable. It could be your spouse. It could be a colleague. It could be somebody else that you know and trust who just asks you periodically, have you followed up with your clients? Have you made enough follow up calls today? Set yourself a reminder, perhaps, towards the end of the day, 3.30, 4 o'clock, whenever you finish work, just before that, if you set yourself a little diary note, have you followed up that just pings up on your phone or on your computer screen, something that just makes you more accountable for your results can help prompt you in the right direction and just remind you you need to follow up. You need to keep following up every single day with your clients. So just a couple of other specific Items that I want to pick up on before we end off this episode. The first is to do with whether or not you reconfirm an appointment or not. There are two schools of thought about whether it's better to reconfirm an appointment or not. One school of thought says that it's not a good idea to reconfirm an appointment beforehand because that gives the client an opportunity to cancel. So, in other words, you've booked a meeting to see that client next Thursday at 10am. Perhaps on the Wednesday, you give the client a ring to just make sure that they're okay for that meeting tomorrow morning. If they'd been sat on the fence and they weren't quite sure, they've got an opportunity there to say, actually, can we just put it off for a couple more weeks? The other school of thought is, of course, that reconfirming an appointment, making that phone call on the Wednesday afternoon before your meeting on the Thursday morning, means that you've less likelihood of turning up at the client's house and the client isn't there, which of course would be a waste of time. One of the things that can actually eliminate this dilemma is sending out a good quality follow-up letter or email. If you've sent out a written communication confirming the details of the appointment, what things they might need to have on hand at that appointment, how long it might take, that quality written communication often eliminates the no-shows or the cancellations. So if you find yourself having quite a lot of people who don't show up for a meeting, what I'd suggest is that you take a close look at the written communications, the confirmation of appointment letter or email that you send out. Check whether that is communicating the right message to the client. The final point that I want to bring up here is when you do have a cancellation or a no-show. It's one of the most disappointing aspects to following up that when you have a prospect cancel an appointment, or even worse, are not in when you arrive for that appointment, and you might well feel annoyed about that. And yes, the prospect should have informed you they weren't going to be in, or perhaps have given you a better reason for the cancellation. However, you have to control your reactions At least initially. Perhaps there is a good reason for the cancellation. Perhaps there is a good reason why they were not in. Yes, they should have let you know. But at least initially, give them the benefit of the doubt. So you will need to follow up, of course, after that no-show or after that cancellation. And the worst thing you can possibly do is make the person wrong for not showing up or for cancelling. Simply book another appointment. Now, of course, if you have multiple cancellations or no-shows, then what do you do? One thing that's worked really well in my company is where a person has cancelled twice or has not shown up for an appointment twice, quite simply introduce a cost for that initial appointment and get them to pay up front before you actually turn up. So, for example, you can address it something like this. Hi Mr Smith, I hope you're okay. I was a little worried when you weren't present when I showed up for the last appointment. I know that life can throw us all kinds of curveballs from time to time and I'm sure that you're a very busy person. But look, don't worry, I still want to help you. I still want to assist you in getting your affairs in order so that your family aren't going to suffer unnecessarily if anything was to happen to you. And it is really important. So let's get another appointment in the diary are you perhaps free next Wednesday morning? So find an appropriate time, find an appropriate day. You conclude that next Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. is going to be okay. And you can then say something like, there's just one point here before we actually confirm that time and that place, Mr. Smith. Uh, The price for a basic will is whatever your price is. Let's just say it's £200 for a moment. So you can say the price for a basic will, Mr. Smith, is £200. Is and I don't yet know exactly what it is that you need, of course. I'm going to establish that next Wednesday morning. But because there have been a couple of times that you haven't been able to make it to our appointments, I'm going to need you to put down a deposit of 50% of at least that basic will price. Now, if you go ahead with that basic will, then, of course, the price is going to come off that cost. So you're not going to lose anything. But if you can't make that appointment again, then at least it'll cover the cost of my time and my petrol, and sure, we'll have to book another appointment with another deposit. Is that okay with you? So it can be done politely. It doesn't have to be done in a way that makes the other person wrong, but it also doesn't close the door on them becoming a client at all. You might well lose that case, but at least the door remains open for the prospect now and in the future if they do want to go ahead. And of course, if they do put that deposit down, then they're far more likely to actually keep the appointment. Now, believe it or not, there is still quite a lot more that I could go over with you in terms of following up clients. But I hope that this has fleshed out the subject somewhat and you found this useful. Of course, if you have, I would love to hear your feedback. And once again, thank you very much for listening. I'll speak to you again in a couple of weeks.